Talk features thought leadership interviews with bank and credit union executives. If you are the CEO or would like to be an executive one day, this is the podcast for you. Learn something new in each episode to improve the performance at your financial institution. And now, here's our host, Charlie Kelly. This is Charlie Kelly, your host. Today, we're talking payments in general and, and more specifically, real-time payments, also known as FedNow. I think I've called, heard them called faster payments, and I'm sure by the time you listen to this, they may have another name. So we have with us today Todd Kern from Bankers Bank, and uh, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to Bank Talk. Today, I have with me Todd Kern from Bankers Bank, and we're going to talk about real-time payments. Now, real-time payments, uh, for those of you who have been to a uh, banker association meeting in the last few years, you've probably heard that real-time payments is coming our direction. Todd and I are just going to spend a bit of time talking through what that means, You know what, what, that, what that will mean to you, what that'll mean to your customers, maybe just give you a little better flavor for the payment space and real-time payments in particular. Todd, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Charlie. I appreciate your time this afternoon and inviting me to your uh, podcast. So, Todd, we've known each other for 10 years, and I've had a question for a long time. Your name is spelled K-O-E-H-N, and you call yourself Todd Kern. That's a mystery, I think, that just needs some some explanation. Could you you, uh, tell us what what that's all about? (laughs) Thank you, Charlie. Um, As I understand it in German the OE should have two dots over it and the two dots are called an umlaut and would make an urn sound. Um, so I tell people to pronounce my last name K-E-R-N. And if you mispronounce it, I, I think you're a telemarketer. Okay. So yeah, I guess inquiring minds wanted to know. So thanks for, thanks for clearing that up. Uh, Todd, we've known each other for a long time. If you want to give a quick background, you know, sort of where you came into this payment space and you know, kind of how long you've been at this, uh, I'd appreciate that. So I have spent uh, the first 16 and a half years of my career working for technology partners or providers that call on community financial institutions. So I've got a background in ATMs, check processing, core processing, and debit card and credit card processing. Todd, today, uh, there's a lot of buzz around real-time payments coming from the Fed. What I'd like to do today is just kind of dumb that down a little bit. Uh, tell me in layman's terms, what does real-time payments mean? And uh, you know, is it replacing something for a bank or credit union that they might be doing today? Charlie, that's a great question. And, and let's go back a step and review the existing payment rails in the United States first. So we can do a level set of how we have processed historically, and that'll lead into both RTP and FedNow. So as a banker, and I think of the payment rails in the United States, I think of a handful. I think of cash. I think of check. I think of debit and credit cards. I think of ACH, and I think of wires. And what all those compose is batch settlement whether it's batched throughout the day, like same-day ACH, or batch one to four days after the fact, depending on 
the rail. Most of the settlement is not taking place in four business days, but usually one to two to three. Significant improvement with RTP and FedNow is you're moving to a real-time gross settlement model, which means a transaction that takes place today will settle within moments of the transaction. So if a customer were to send a transaction at nine o'clock this morning, within a couple moments, that customer's account within the bank is debited, the GL is offset, the person receiving the payment is having their account credited and the GL credited. So you're moving from a batch settlement environment to a real-time gross settlement model, which is something that the United States has never had. And RTP was stood up live in 2017. FedNow is going to roll out in 2023, 2024. And as a history buff, you know, the last modern payment rail in the United States that was stood up was H. ACH in the mid-70s. And there's been a lot of initiatives over the years to modernize our payment rails, but there has never been an initiative until now to move to a real-time gross settlement model. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to layer in a, a real story here, and maybe we can just talk about it a little bit. I think I gave you this a little bit before, but uh, a while back, as, you know, as the COVID thing was kicking off, we had a call from our payroll processor. I think all the payroll processors at the time were we're uh, starting to panic, you know, just around uh, making sure that if if uh, folks don't have money in their account, you know, they want to make sure that the payroll got paid and the account was settled, meaning you know they didn't get stuck holding the you know holding the uh, any any shortage. Uh, well, let me start with how they solved for that. So they came to us and they said, "Look, you're going to have to wire us the money so we know it's there." And our normal two to three day settlement period will no longer be the case because you won't need to ACH it. So I ran down the path of going to my bank, who's a you know a bit of a commercial bank, and they came back to me and they said, "Well, you can do a wire, but you know wire is not it's not as clean, it's not as easy, and you know you sort of have to push the money." So I'm just going to lay that story on you, Todd, and you know get your get your thoughts on it because I think this solves for some of that. Am I right or am I thinking about that the wrong way? You are right. Most community financial institutions, if they're looking at RTP today, are receive only. So they're going to be being pushed credits on their customer's behalf. And I firmly believe that RTP FedNow will replace the wire department within a community financial institution, depending on what the third-party service provider that a community financial institution would partner with when they move to SENS. That's a great story because, you know, the ACH, the payroll processor has your money for a couple of days. They know that you have the money for the payroll. So that's a good funds model. And with RTP and FedNow, it is also a good funds model. By that, I mean, if a customer were to push a credit to somebody like a wire, you have to have the money in your account. So let's just say five years from now, uh, Charlie, you were a contractor and you did 
some work on my house and you presented me an invoice and I was to pay you through my community financial institutions, online banking, and I had the option for uh, an RTP payment. If I don't have that $1,000 in my account, that transaction will not go out. The nice thing about RTP and in the future Fed now is it's a good funds model. So there's not money leaving the community financial institution if the customer doesn't have the money. You know, one of the things like your payroll processor was worried about, Charlie, was making sure you had the money in your bank account to cover payroll. One of the things that we have noticed with COVID is the liquidity crunch for small to medium-sized businesses and, and customers. And, you know, we keep hearing, you, you can't go watch the news or read the news about, you know, the gig economy jobs, which, you know, Grubhub, Uber, Lyft, and, you know, Amazon drivers, and somebody knows somebody that's doing a side hustle that's considered a gig economy job. You know, historically, when those companies first came out, it was, you know, a traditional payroll method. Um, You know, you worked, you got paid every two weeks, or maybe they moved to weekly. And then, you know, Uber and Lyft began to move to a same-day payment method via a debit card that was not provided by our community financial institutions, which removed the community financial institution from the bank. And, you know, we could have another whole podcast on top of wallet on (laughs) on debit cards, which we're not going to get into, but we want to make our debit and credit cards top of wallets for our, for our customers that, you know, are deemed worthy, not so much with debit cards, but with credit cards. I digress. So, Uber and Lyft are doing instant payroll same day through a debit card. Well, Grubhub has taken it to the next step. You drive today and you can get paid today if your bank is participating or your community financial institution is participating in RTP. And that's, that's a game changer. It's not same day ACH, it's RTP. So, you know, somebody earned $150 driving for Grubhub today at the end of their shift, that $150 will be in their checking account with their community financial institution. So yeah, they don't have to wait two weeks for it or, or a week or, or any time at that matter, right? Or having it associated with a debit card that they can't pay their bills off of. It's not easy to get the money of that community financial institution which you and I both know community financial institutions provide a higher level of service, provide lower, you know, lower fees and, and are more creative on the lending to support their communities. Um, I would imagine that the, the reason that Uber, Grubhub, Ernium started that way was because it had to be a, a convenience thing. They didn't want to set up a, a direct over to you know, each of their accounts, or maybe they have, you know, some relationship with somebody for prepaid cards or, you know, it, there, there, there has to be a financial reason behind why they would take it that way. Is that, I mean, am I thinking about that the right way? I would say so. I mean, we don't know, I, I don't have visibility into those agreements, but you know, maybe they're getting a kickback on the interchange. Maybe they're getting, you know, yeah, there who could knows, be a, there maybe could they're be getting rebates. Um, right. But, you know, the interesting thing about the Grubhub scenario that I described 
is earlier this summer, there was a big announcement between Grubhub and JP Morgan Chase. Um, and you can go on the Grubhub driver support page and see this. If you bank with JP Morgan Chase or open for Grubhub, you can drive today, get paid today, and you're not, you're, you as the driver don't have to pay the 50 cent fee for the instant payroll payment. Again, you know, we're bankers and, and so we don't, we're not a big fan of fees, but when you talk to the average consumer, they're willing to pay a nominal fee to have their money immediately. And yeah, I would argue that you're probably on the commercial side as well, right? There's probably some fee-based. If I'm a business waiting to get paid and I have a, right, I have a cash flow thing going on and I, right, I've got a normal, you know, accounts receivable, accounts payable structure, right? Early payment is definitely benefiting me, right? And and I think that's probably what drives a bit of this. I mean, in some of the seminars that I've attended on this, is that you know some of it is hey, get me paid faster because money hanging around in a banking channel that doesn't benefit anybody, you know, is is just doesn't feel right. Right. You know, would 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 you pay? You know, would you pay your personal bills a day or two earlier if you got a five percent discount on said bill through RTP versus? Um, you know, doing it through an ACH transaction. It's kind of like the old, yeah, it's kind of like the old 210 net 30. If you, if you know, you know, if you understand that logic, but right in the old days, the invoices would always come in, you know, you get a XYZ discount, you know, call it a 2% discount. If you pay everything within 10 days and if you waited out till 30, that discount went away. Right. So, right. Except this is, you know, sort of the, the uh, real time world's version of that. Probably you can, you know, sometimes the, there's a there's a value in getting that payment quite a bit earlier, yep. whether it be consumer or the or the customer, right? All right. In 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 the community financial institution isn't floating the funds. You know there are P two P applications, PayPal, Venmo, those type of applications where the customer thinks that the money is in their account immediately, but the financial institution is floating that money for a couple of days through. Because it hasn't settled through ACH yet, depending on the back end and all those um, scenarios, when the file hits the processor, if they're outsourced. So there's all those variables with real-time payments and Fed now, by moving to a real-time gross settlement, that financial institution is not floating the money to the customer. You know, it's good funds, it's pushed, and it's there, and it's in the bank settlement account. Okay, so you got that You got that concept of float, not not having as much float out there, I guess, is probably the way I would put that. Is you know they they don't have to fund it waiting for. An I would say yeah, clear. absolutely. Okay. Oh, all right. right. So we um, let me back you up just a little bit. We spent a little bit of time. Uh, you said something earlier that I think we should spend a little bit of time on. You you had mentioned that some of the early adopters are you know sort of if you think of it as push versus pull or send versus receive. I don't care which terminology you use they seem to be on the receiving end. In other words, they've beta tested this thing or tested it as a receiver, not necessarily as somebody who's sending money out of their account, right? Is, is, right. Did I get that right or, or did I overshoot that? No, um, most community financial institutions are connecting to the real-time payments network through a certified third-party processor and 
you know, that is a typically a core processor because the core is the system of record of every customer transaction and it has that tight integration. So most of the cores are standing up receive only to evolve their customers into the RTP network. You know, by the end of 2021, there'll be at least 100 community banks and credit unions live on the RTP network, and they will all be received. And some of them will move to SENS when available in 2021. Some community financial institutions may only adopt receive. I think that would be short-sighted to only be receive only, but there will be customers out there that are receive only. Okay. So there might, this might be too simple a question, but let me ask it anyhow. How can everybody receive if nobody's sending? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, is that too simple or, or am I missing something? Right. I mean, the, the, you, you need the, you need the full circle, right? You need me. And I'll give you an example. Um, I owe you, you know, $10,000 for some work you have done for me. Right. Unless I'm sending it real time, you know, is there a benefit in just receiving it real time? In other words, in other words, doesn't it get still get stuck in the float chain up until the time, you know, it gets shoved to you as a, as a real, you know, good funds payment? You know, so, I, because I think, it, you know, part of the education we're trying to provide the, the reader here is not that we have every answer, but, but that we're, we're sort of thinking through the evolution. Yep. And, if, and if the eventual evolution is uh, both uh, push and pull or send and receive, that's great, right? But if everybody's adopting this as a receive only, yep. uh, <clears throat> is it really working or is it, is it you know, uh, I don't know, right? It doesn't work at all. <laughs> I guess that's probably the so, question. So let's, let, let's go back a step and let's just clarify something you said. You know, RTP is a push payment setup. So even if a financial institution offers sends, it's their customers originating the transaction and pushing it out of their account. And then the receiving customer knows about it and they are getting it pushed into their account. What we didn't talk about before was the RTP network and who is it owned by. And it is owned by a consortium of the largest banks in America. So some of those banks are in send today. So if I happened to own a plumbing company and I banked with one of the top 25 and they offered the ability for me to originate my payroll through RTP or the payroll processor did it. You know, I pushed my payroll to the payroll processor and then they pushed it to my employees who were able to do receive. Now with RTP coming out in 2017, we're still in the early adopter phase in 20, I'll call 2021, 2022, the fast followers in 2023, 2024 will be, you know, mass adoption. And the reason we're talking about this now is, you know, financial institutions are doing their strategic planning for 2021, 2022. So it may not be on the roadmap for 2021, but it needs to be on your roadmap for 22. And it, and you need to be asking the questions to your trusted partners, hey, is this on my roadmap? If if payments is something that you feel is critical for your financial institution to be a competitive differentiator and your 
trusted partners are not offering it, then you may need to, you know, consider some evaluations. The community financial institutions and the the way that the the RTP network is set up is is they're not set up yet for sense for the third party processors that are processing those community financial institutions. SENS is going to be certified later this year, beginning of next year. And then those certified third-party processors are going to start rolling it out to their customers. And very quickly, you know, I predict in 2021, there'll be three to 400 community financial institutions within the RTP. If half of them adopt SENS, you yeah, will, then, then you're rolling, right? Then you're, then you're rolling on the push of a payment. And then, you know, the customer receiving the push of their payroll or a bill or whatever it is. Let me, let me just yeah. ask you, let me back you up just a touch and ask you another question related to that. If, if this goes on a financial institution's strategic plan, is it because in, in your opinion, is it because the Uber drivers are asking for it? The commercial customers are asking for it. And again, I, I'm thinking the receive side, right? I'm thinking I want to get paid earlier. So I want to go to a bank that'll get me paid earlier, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, and so as a, as a customer of a bank or a customer of a credit union, I'm selfish and I want my money to now, right? That, right. that drives a lot of behavior and probably should be driving some conversations at the credit unions and the banks. Therefore, that would be the reason then that they would make the choice to put it on their schedule or, or their, you know, whether that be strategic plan or what have you. Is that, am I thinking about that right? Is that, is that where the, you know, is this sort of a groundswell that's, that's uh, dragging it through the system? Yep. I think there's going to be a groundswell as education and marketing campaigns ratchet up in 2021 and 2022. Personally, my, my boys are 14 and 16 and they, you know, have part-time jobs, whether they're cutting grass or they're, you know, working for a major grocery store chain and they do everything on their phones. You know, they've seen me cut a check for something before, but they're going to want their payments through their phone. And I just read an article last week. I can't remember if it was from payments.com or payments source. But the younger members of a credit union, younger customers of a community bank don't care about your ATM network. They care about your digital presence. You know, they want optimized online banking through mobile banking. In order to attract the customers that are the customers you want long-term, they may not have your mortgage with you. I am personally convinced that if you get the checking account, you'll get the first loan, whether it's a car or a home loan, but you've got to get that checking account to have that ability to educate the, the, the consumer that you have these great mortgage rates or you offer business services and they buy a small business. So you've got to have that checking account with a very strong payments capability that allows your customers to interact with you how they want. So, you know, your customer may not want to do bill pay, but they want their money, you know, they're doing their their bill pays directly on the gas or electric company website. They they want to know that the, the money is sitting and coming out of their community financial institution who has a better reputation 
and better service, better rates, everything that I mentioned earlier than, you know, a big bank. Yeah, that's a good perspective. I have one other question I've got for you. I'm not sure that I am entirely clear on what roles a banker's bank pay, plays or a core, core being, you know, a core banking system, mm-hmm. so, you know, some of the core providers versus the Fed. Okay. Can you, you know, can you sort of walk me through what each of those participants in this real-time payments is going to play in your opinion? Yep. So let's get specific to the RTP network from the clearinghouse. There are, you know, transactions and there's settlements. So let's think of the transactions as, you know, debiting and crediting the customer's DDA account, you know, posting to the core system, posting to the GL. Let's just yep. call that a okay. transaction. And most likely a front end of some kind. So let's just call that the transaction. And then there's the settlement of the bank dollars or the credit union's dollars in that real-time gross settlement. Both of those have two ways that a community financial institution could interact with the real-time payments network. Number one is direct on the transaction side. So the, the, the community financial institution has to establish the connection to the clearinghouse or the RTP network. They have to stand up their fraud engines. They have to provide the front-end application for their customers, or they can partner with their core. And most of the cores have becoming a certified, in the RTP speak, they call it a certified third-party service provider. So TPSP. Most community financial institutions partner with somebody for their debit cards, their online banking, their lending origination system. So that's why it makes sense to look to your core first because the posting files in real time is critical. Okay, so let, so, me, let me stop you there for just a second. Yeah. Again, this is just me getting educated here a little bit. But in, in the perfect world, if, if there is something you're doing today to fire off an ACH payment, that's, let's, say it's, let's say it's part of your business banking scenario, right? And and by that, I mean, I'm the corporate customer. I go to my bank whose core provides them this business banking software. I use that to fire off my ACH or set up a transaction, right? That, you know, automated transaction of some yep. sort. Is there is there a good chance that all of that being, you know, the user experience, I'll, I'll use that term if I can, the user experience may stay the same, maybe maybe a different way to get in there, right? Uh, yep. Real-time payment versus an ACH payment or a real-time payment versus some other payments in that, in that uh, business application, right? There may be a little different way to get in there, but in general, it's the plumbing we're talking about, right? It is the movement of that payment at a faster speed through a goods funds uh, uh, type of a, an environment. Am I thinking about that right or did I... You know, are you thinking that this is, there's going to be a separate user experience that needs to be built out by the cores? No, I think the cores, if you read press releases over the past couple of years, they've talked about rolling out enterprise payment hubs to move away from siloed applications. So they, they have rolled out or are rolling out enterprise payment hubs that the payment hub doesn't care if it's debit doesn't care if it's ACH, a wire, RTP, there's intelligence at the payment hub that the community financial institution is connecting to the plumbing and the intelligence to route the transaction. 
Gotcha. So they can so, use any of the channels in that scenario. It's it's yep. a one-stop shop for making payments. Correct. You know, again, going back to the community financial institution has two ways to get to RTP direct or partner with certified third-party service provider. You know, it's most likely going to be the core processor. On the settlement side, it's the same thing. Now, on the settlement side, you can only settle with a chartered financial institution in the United States. The community financial institution could have their dollars settled in a joint account at the Federal Reserve of New York, and the community financial institution is responsible for their drawdowns, figuring out you know, their position, how do they fund up going into nights and weekends if they're doing SENS, or the clearinghouse introduced the same concept as a certified third-party service provider for funding agents. So most community financial institutions have a relationship with a corporate credit union or a correspondent bank. Each one of those organizations, you know, typically has a payments focused in addition to lending and additional services that a community financial institution needs. Hmm, Okay, so as you go out and talk to bankers, banks, clients, those being mm -hmm. financial institutions, the reason that your job is to educate right? Is because this is complicated. It's and, complicated. And, and to be honest with you, right? The reason we're having this podcast is it's complicated. Yep. And, you know, unless you understand some of the plumbing and some of the things we've discussed today yep. and who the partners are and, you know, what their roles are going to be, it's, you know, it's not always very easy to get your head around to this. And I'll, no. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, right? I was yep. sitting at a bankers association meeting, uh, just standing at the back of the room while while somebody came through and did an RTP presentation. So the RTP presentation went on for, you know, I would say uh, a half an hour. And, you know, I covered some of the topics we're covering today, but maybe not quite as in depth. And I'm, I'm standing next to a CEO of a pretty decent sized community bank. And I looked over to him and I said, uh, you know, what's your take on this? Do you understand it? Is it important to you? And he said, I don't know. And this was after a half hour, right? So I think some of the territory we covered today, you know, I, I, I would argue that there's probably more people in that position than, than, you know, entirely understand this. So, so Charlie with, with RTP there, there's two things, there's the transaction and the settlement. So the settlement is the critical piece to make sure that those funds are settling same day in the settlement account that the financial institution chooses. Now, there have been announcements from both corporate credit unions and bankers banks about getting into the settlement game, but I personally feel that not every bankers bank and not every corporate credit union is going to get into this. And payments is the backbone of most community financial institutions. Payments is critical and will be a key differentiator for the institutions that participate in RTP and have great lending products um, versus a financial institution that decides to wait it out. So choosing a settlement partner is critical because they're providing the liquidity services, they're providing the calculations, all those things that a correspondent financial institution is doing for their members or customers today and 
it's just another service that. Now, and then let me ask you another. Thank you, Todd, on that. Um, let me ask you one more question on that. So, are, I think you were saying to me that you can't go into this without a settlement partner, and eventually, um, you're going to need that settlement partner to help drive you to this. More than likely, you know, educate you as you move along, educate you as you, if you want to get there earlier rather than later. Am, am I? Did I paraphrase that too succinctly? There's, I'm sure there's more I missed, but help me out there. So you can definitely do settlement if you're receive only by yourself. But as soon okay. as you get into sends and your customers have the ability to send money 24 by 7 by 365, why would you not want to partner with somebody that can handle that on your behalf and provide advices and recommendations of where you need to be. You know, if you are settling yourself and you're participating in SENS and you forget to fund up going into a three-day holiday weekend uh, and your settlement account runs out of money, all of your customers or members are turned off from RTP until you can put money in your settlement account that you're managing on Monday morning when the Fed opens up again and wire money in. Yeah, that's a great perspective. And that's what I was missing in, in the, the discussion that we've been talking about today is you, you eventually you need to do both send and receive and send's yep. a little dangerous, right? Sends could be a little dangerous. Right, right. There, there are settlement partners announced, but there are a few that are live and, uh, you know, talk to, talk to them all to see how they can support your community financial institutions need. You may have a relationship with one for certain services and you may have to pick up another one to help you out on the settlement side. Great. Oh, good call. Okay. Thank you. You know, I, you know, I thank you for your time here because I think yep. we covered some really good territory and, and, you know, at a basic level, at a level yep. that you know, I think a lot of folks can understand. Is there anything I, else, Todd, that we didn't get to? that you think is important here that, you know, we need to talk through or, you know, we can always set up another podcast, but I'm thinking, you know, is there anything we didn't touch to, you know, in sort of RTP 101, if we call this. No, I think we did a great job of covering RTP 101. I think we did a good job of talking about the transaction piece, but, you know, just like that anecdotal story you told about the banker, um, what, what, what the presentation didn't talk about was the settlement. And that's the most critical piece of, of the, of the transaction is making sure that the the money is settled in real time and is in the financial institutions account at the end of the day. So I appreciate your time, Charlie. Great podcast. I've enjoyed listening to them and uh, we'll gladly hop on another call um, or another podcast about uh, settlement or anything else I can help you out with. Thank you so much for your time. Okay. Thanks, Ted. Thanks again. I'd like to thank Todd for participating in our podcast. Uh, I forgot to ask Todd where he could be reached to just in case somebody wants to reach out and, you know, get a little more information on this. Uh, he did provide that after the interview and uh, Todd can be reached at T-K-O-E-H-N at bankersbank.com. So feel free to reach out to him. Good source of information. Um, since the time we we recorded the podcast, I actually received in my inbox a uh, note that says this, uh, the Fed seeks pilot participants in, the, in FedNow instant payments. 
basically what it says is a year on from committing to build the Fed's first major new payment system in four decades, and I'm reading this to you, the U.S. Central Bank is working hard to get its FedNow real-time payment and settlement service up and running as quickly as possible. Interested organizations, so again, they're looking for beta testers, interested organizations will participate in discussions or demos, test the service, engage service providers or users, and conduct other activities as needed. So if you're interested in being a beta tester, I guess you could reach out to the Fed and um, see if you can really get your funds faster, I think is what it comes down to. If I, if I understood the interview from Todd, if they're starting out by receiving money and will go down the path at some point to sending money, I, I think I want to be on the receiving side. <laughs> Hope that makes some sense. Again, uh, thank you for joining us. This is Charlie Kelly with the Bank Talk podcast, and keep on learning. Thank you for listening to banktalkpodcast.com. We understand there are many podcasts out there and that you've selected ours. So thank you. Go to banktalkpodcast.com for more information.